0: You know, we run all these different LinkedIn ads uh, to investors, and we've done that for Fruit Street, we've done it for New Amsterdam. I actually have run some ads for New Amsterdam where there were people that were not interested in investing in Fruit Street that then saw a New Amsterdam ad, talked to me, made a connection with me over soccer, and then they decided to invest $50,000 into Fruit Street and $50,000 into New Amsterdam when previously, when we were just running the Fruit Street ads, they were investing zero dollars.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Digital Health Entrepreneurship. If you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you know that Lawrence loves soccer and had a dream of being a professional soccer player that is maybe still there, but uh, recently you decided, why not just start your own soccer team? So uh, we have a other soccer genius with us on the call today, Michael Hitchcock. And uh, Lawrence, tell us about the soccer team and um, why you wanted to start New Amsterdam football club?
0: Well, when I was younger, I wanted to play professional soccer. So I played for the youth team with the New York Red Bulls. And that's where my interest in diet and exercise started, which eventually became more of a public health interest when I decided to uh, go to medical school. And that's ultimately what led to me starting Fruit Street and you know delivering our diabetes prevention program. So my interest in diet and exercise always started with soccer. And I think when I was 18, I... Um, Uh, got a little frustrated with soccer and I was like, eh, like, you know, maybe I'll just focus on something that I had perceived to have more of a social impact and go to medical school. And I kind of thought sports was like a little, I don't know, maybe silly or something like that. But then in the last four or five years I came back to it and, um, basically like started enjoying it, started playing again, but also realized that a lot of these clubs can have a big social impact in, in their communities, just like medicine does where, um, you know, with youth programs, even direct things like just helping kids live a healthy lifestyle through diet and exercise. I mean, childhood obesity is a huge problem, right? But I think it can also do a lot to build character and that kind of thing. So I've, I guess, have a more mature appreciation for sports a decade later and the role it plays in, you know, society. I guess. Um, so uh, it's a pretty long story, but to make a long story short, we had an opportunity to start a professional soccer team in New York City um, in a new league called NISA, which is the National Independent Soccer League, which is very grassroots. And I, I love grassroots things, um, that are kind of community-based, but, uh, basically we decided to start a professional soccer team called New Amsterdam Football Club. And I met Michael and Michael is a soccer genius. So, uh, we decided that we had, uh, enough business people that knew about soccer to, to start something. So, um, Michael, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, and, and I love the title Soccer Genius. I'm going to add that to the business card. But, uh, yeah, I've been in the soccer management business for 25 years, started in the Major League Soccer uh, in the early years when the league launched. Uh, let me tell you, from from very humble beginnings, uh, that, that league has grown. And the, it's been incredible to see just in the last 25 years how much the sport's grown in this country. And uh, many people uh, may not realize that the 94 World Cup is really what helped springboard and, and launch Major League Soccer. Uh, which, you know, w- was all about uh, bringing the beautiful game to the U.S. in a meaningful way and providing opportunities to local players, local executives, local coaches, businesses throughout the United States to be able to invest in in the sport of soccer and, and help it grow, and uh, and, the, and it's just, it's boomed. And so, you know, the, the great sports pioneers uh, that have, you know, launched the NFL, professional soccer, professional tennis, the Lamar Hunts of the world always said uh, soccer will become the second most popular sport in this country, and this was Twenty-five plus years ago, and it's pretty interesting to see in the last five years, in particular, that uh, it's it's starting to get there. And so, uh, it's it's absolutely awesome to work on, on on something like New Amsterdam Football Club, where you've got arguably the the best market in the country to invest in a grassroots soccer club that can really connect with the community on so many different levels, give back on so many different levels, uh, and to work with a you know visionary leader like Lawrence and and a, and a passionate a brilliant soccer mind like Max, it's it's a a pretty incredible project, and and we're real bullish on uh, what the future looks like for New Amsterdam.
0: So Michael, I'm going to make you, uh, or I'll ask you to share the story about when you almost went to medical school, since it's so similar to what I almost did. Do you mind? (laughs) No, I don't mind at all. So so I'm uh, the beginning of the
2: soccer bubble in this country, where friends older than me didn't play soccer, and almost every friend younger than me did, and so You know, Lamar Hunt, Phil Anschutz, all the pioneers for soccer in this country always talk about the soccer bubble. And so I was sort of the beginning of it. And so I fell in love with the game at a young age, went to an Atlanta Chiefs Seattle Sounders game with my dad, who was a big American football guy and, uh, you know, didn't know anything about soccer, but was introduced to the sport through me and just loved the passion and just connected. And so I grew up playing the sport, loved the sport, played in college at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University and uh, where sort of my, my passion for the sport became a, a career decision is uh, I thought I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. I had a lot of surgeries and, you know, injuries growing up playing soccer in, in all sports uh, at a high level. And so I uh, just thought, man, there's a chance for me to get back to athletes and to help them out. And so I actually got into med school. So I got into the, the Medical College of Virginia, uh, which is tied in, uh, MCV is tied into VCU. And after playing four years of soccer there, and, uh, and, and there was a, a crazy afternoon at crazy Charlie's, a bar right off campus where me and a couple of guys that I graduated with were, uh, having a beer. And, uh, you know, they said hitch, which is my nickname, uh, which I was never the best player far from it, but, you know, was always seen as sort of a leader and, you know, could, you know, ha- had it together, at least was the perception, if not the reality. And, and so they said, uh, you're going to med school. You've got to figure it out. what, what do we do? And, so uh, so I said, you know, let's do this, guys, and I'm a keep-it-simple type of person. I said, let's get a napkin and a pen from the waitress and let's uh, write down three words that describe our passion. And so I did the exercise with them and I wrote down sales, marketing, and soccer and just three things I absolutely love more than anything else and realized there's nothing on there about medicine, uh, you know. And, and, you know, while I was trying to pursue going to med school, uh, that, that wasn't it. That wasn't my passion. And so I decided at that moment, pulled up that napkin, put it in my wallet, and Major League Soccer had already been announced that it was going to start the next year, and uh, ended up getting an entry-level commission, uh, ticket sales, you know, no no base salary, just you, you, you made what you sold, um, job at DC United, you know, one of the flagship franchises in the league began uh, back in 96, and so, uh, so, yeah, so I was heading down the path of going to med school, and thought I had it all figured out, and uh, let me tell you, that conversation with my dad to let him know that, uh, you know, good news, bad news, dad, uh, good news. I found my passion. Bad news is it's not med school. And, you know, he had a few choice words for me and, uh, he goes, all right, so what is it? And I said, I'm going to go work in professional soccer. Well, imagine that conversation 26 years ago in this country where no one thought pro soccer was going to make it. So, uh, so yeah, similar and, and, you know, uh, decided to follow my passion and have been very fortunate to be able to work in, in, uh, the sport of soccer, uh, uh, since that
0: moment. Yeah, it's a great story. Actually, one of the um, investors who just invested in New Amsterdam football club is this uh, physician who's from London originally. He lives in the U.S. now. And he brought. He reminded me of this concept. That I had forgotten what it was, but I'll just share my screen for a second. It's called Ikigai. It's some Japanese phrase. So it's basically like what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, what the world needs. Um, so um, the world definitely needs soccer, entertainment. Um, because as we've seen, with no sports right now with COVID nineteen, everybody's going nuts. But anyway, um, I thought this was pretty interesting. So the guy told me that uh, you know he thought for Fruit Street and for soccer, I had it Ikigai, guy, which is why he invested. I think Michael has it also, but it's an interesting um, question. But anyway, um, yeah, I guess, I guess, um, I guess. Uh, let's see, what would you say, Michael, to people that think that maybe I don't know? Someone like my mom, let's say, that thinks that, oh, what is this whole thing of kicking a soccer ball around? You know, what does this even mean? I mean, like, do you think that soccer has the ability to kind of have a social impact on communities, whether it's at the youth level or otherwise? I mean, what have you you seen there?
2: Yeah, so I'll I'll say uh, travel the world and you'll see the impact that soccer has on uh, every community, every neighborhood, anywhere in the world. And you know, it's, it's a beautiful, it's called the beautiful game for a reason. And it's not because there's a ton of goals. And, you know, while there are some moments of brilliance on the field, when you watch a messier Ronaldo, it's really the beautiful game because of the impact it has on its communities. And so, you know, the, the cool thing is, you know, the sport has evolved and grown so much in the U S that uh, we're, we're now seeing that, you know, there's, the, you know, kids, kids are using basketball courts to play futsal, which is the indoor version of soccer played on a basketball court, not basketball. And so, you know, the, the impact that it can have uh, on, on communities is incredible. Uh, the sport, obviously, you've got to be fit. It, it, it promotes active lifestyle. Uh, you've got to eat healthy. You've got to be disciplined. You have to understand all those critical concepts to being a good citizen in life is being a good teammate on the field where it's it's not like other sports where one superstar can truly make the difference. Uh, there's 11, 11 guys out there, and the amount of times you touch the ball is, is so limited that you've got to be an incredible teammate to ensure your team succeeds. And so, you know, for, for me, I, I'm so passionate about the game. I love the game. Uh, I, I love the business of the game. And when you run and operate a team the right way, the, the business and the sport has evolved to the point that you can now reinvest in, in your community. And so, you know, the cool thing about, uh, you know, Major League Soccer in the early days, it was all about grassroots. Well, as Major League Soccer has grown and, uh, as, as truly taking that next step to the, to that next level as a sport and as a league, uh, there's a vacuum underneath that of opportunity for lower division clubs to come in and sort of fulfill that, you know, I think obligation, but certainly opportunity to give back to the communities. And so, you know, you, you just, you know, you take a soccer ball and you go to any rec center, uh, anywhere in the country and, and you'll see the impact that the game can have. And so when you take that to the next level and, Use your players as positive role models and ambassadors to get back to the community. Which you see what's going around the country right now. It's it's never been more important for a sport like soccer to become something that unifies people and brings people together and uh, get, gives back on on all those different levels. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's an amazing sport and uh, the the impact it has. Uh, and when you look at the cost of it, it's not like you know hockey or football where you need all this money to invest in in just infrastructure and 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 equipment soccer is uh it's a ball or something it resembles a ball and you can throw down a couple t-shirts and you've got yourself uh whether it's you know dirt grass uh cement you've got a soccer pitch and so uh that that's why it's a beautiful game and the game all over the world that that people love
1: yep i'd like to add to that one amazing thing is that five-year-olds can play it i mean they run around and it's chaos but it's it's not easy for five-year-olds for instance to play baseball hey lawrence um Riddle me this. Why is Fruit Street sponsoring New Amsterdam Football Club? What's the connection? What's the, what are you thinking of?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, Fruit Street is a, a public benefit corporation, which means we are a for-profit company, but we have a mandate to also make decisions that um, have a social impact, uh, and in many cases for public benefit corporations. That's in their local community. Uh, so Fruit Street's headquartered in New York. This is a New York team. Um, so that's one reason just to be like kind of good – call it a corporate citizen, I guess, and just do something for the community. Um, I think the second thing is that it's just uh, sports sponsorships can do amazing things. I mean, one of our customers, Sharecare, sponsors the Atlanta Hawks and the NBA. Um, I think Fitbit sponsors an NBA team as well. Was it was the Minnesota Timberwolves, I believe. Um, you know, there's uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield plan, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield sponsors, the New York Red Bulls. Uh, I think also New York. Was a New York Presbyterian. I think sponsors a MLS team as well. So I mean, sports uh, sponsorships can do a lot to build, um, you know, credibility and that kind of thing. Um, And so I think, and actually, it's had a really interesting effect. Um, You know, we run all these different LinkedIn ads uh, to investors, and we've done that for Fruit Street. We've done it for New Amsterdam. I actually have run some ads for New Amsterdam where there were people that were not interested in investing in Fruit Street that then saw a new Amsterdam ad talked to me, made a connection with me over soccer. And then they decided to invest $50,000 into fruit street and $50,000 into new Amsterdam. When previously, when we were just running the fruit street ads, they were investing $0. So it's, it's something that just adds credibility to the company as well. Um, but, um, Michael, do you want to talk about, I guess, your view on like the power of sports sponsorships as well? For companies?
2: yeah I think the, the the cool thing with with the sports sponsorship is you, you really have a blank canvas it's not like you're you're buying airtime on a TV station radio station a, a billboard uh, but it, it can include all those elements and so much more and so uh, the nice thing is when, when you find the the right partner that uh, is is uh, very similar in core values and what they're trying to accomplish in the community a lot of this is is community you know based and and cause-related marketing uh, provides significant value, but there's a way to really, in a meaningful way, give back to, to the community and also grow someone's business. And so, you know, the beautiful thing, you know, we always call it the, the sort of white, white, you know, dry erase board sort of approach to sponsorship is we sit down with the sponsor and we just find out what their needs are and what are their core values and what can't they get from uh, just traditional advertising or marketing and, you know, even, even social media, right. You can target, but it's, it's not nearly as integrated or engaging or meaningful as being able to have, you know, 20 professional soccer players that when they go out into the community and speak to the kids in the schools and, conduct clinics, and, and support incredible community events, uh, that, that impact is, it, it takes it to a completely different level because as a young kid looking up to these professional athletes, uh, they, they might as well be messy uh, even if they're not, right? It's just, I mean, we, we all remember that as a, a young, you know, young man going out with our, our dads to, for me, that Atlanta Chiefs-Seattle uh, Sounders game. I still have the autograph card of Mike Balson right, who might as well have been the, the biggest athlete in the world at that time uh, but he autographed, spent some time with me at the game. I then went to a Mike Balson soccer camp after that and I uh, still have that card in my home office just to remind me of the, the impact and power of sport. And uh, I could still tell you uh, who the sponsor is on that card. Uh, and so that's just an example of just the power of sport. And for the right companies, uh, it, it's a pretty powerful platform.
0: Yeah. And also I would say like, you know, you can buy all the Facebook ads in the world, but, you know, to get, you know, twenty you know six year olds to walk around in a New Amsterdam shirt sure, with a Fruit Street logo on it. You know, I mean, and that to show up on Google when somebody looks up Fruit Street, I mean, you can't buy that through social media, right? It has to be something that happens in the real world. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting. I, we're also going to have the players for New Amsterdam work with a virtual dietitian through the Fruit Street app as well to be kind of like role models so that we could hopefully get, like the fans and the player and the youth players to say, oh, these, these, you know, professional soccer players, they're setting the example for our community that it's important to take care of our our diet, our exercise, be the right weight. Uh, And so to kind of be that, that almost like a public health kind of, kind of role model as well, I think it's an interesting uh, concept.
1: Hmm. How does it, so you're the soccer genius and you're kind of, I love what you said, uh, like sales, marketing and soccer. So as you guys approach this new football club, um, give us some insight into, like, what are some of the business things, the like business elements that you have to be paying attention to in order to actually run a profitable club that can continue to grow and have the social impact you guys desire.
2: Yeah, so uh, so the playbook, uh, if you will, was created pre-COVID nineteen, right? So uh, la- launching a professional soccer team, uh, running and operating that that professional soccer team uh, we're, we're, in unprecedented times. And I know that's, that's a term that's overused, but it's, it's true. And so, you know, the original go to market strategy and some of the stuff we were going to do, uh, you know, we, we basically had to take that and put it on the shelf and, uh, you know, adapt to obviously what was going on and make sure that we were, we were not tone deaf in our approach to this thing and understood the, the seriousness of this, but at the same time, uh, also understood that it's not the end of the world. We are going to get through this together. And, uh, when we do sports is going to play a critical role to, Helping us get back to the to, to some form of normalcy, and so uh, so you know we did a soft launch with the brand, and you know fortunately through Fruit Street and you know the network of contacts Lawrence has, uh, you know we've got a solid you know sponsorship base which helps. Not a lot of teams would have that in our position, uh, and and would you know frankly probably not launch during this time. They they would have held off, but we all agreed there was a right way of doing it. Let's do this. Let's, let's provide hope. Let's provide you know inspiration to the community and. Uh, and now there's going to be sort of the phase two of rolling that out as as we're starting to, you know, uh, kick COVID, as we say. So, uh, so you know, the, the the other piece is just make sure we have the right business model. And so, you know, too often, and this is where, you know, I say I have 25 years of mistakes and 25 years of success. And, you know, that that's a lot of value to be able to bring to ensure that we're not making the same mistakes that have been made in the past. We'll make other mistakes because we all do and we learn from them and, get better as a result of it. But uh, a lot of the sort of 101 mistakes and 201 mistakes that a lot of organizations make when they're launching and put themselves in a position where they're chasing it from the beginning, we're not going to make those. So we've got the right business model. We've got the right ownership you know, and, and you know, we, we've got the right people involved, and, and we've got a cool, relevant brand that people have, have really taken to, and, and now it's about building out the team and providing opportunities to local players that there's gonna be some really inspirational storylines to come out of that that are real and meaningful, and I think it, all this does go back to community is, you know, when you look at the team, the team is going to be a representation of, of New York uh, City, and so, you know, so, so many different nationalities and, and, and religion, race, creed, you've got all of that in soccer, which other sports don't provide that, which, you know, if you can make that meaningful connection with the community, uh, which we, we will do, um, man, there's a ton of potential with this thing. So, yeah, so we right business model, uh, adapting to the, the world we live in right now and, and, and making sure we don't replicate the mistakes of the past.
0: Yeah, you know, it's another interesting question, though. I mean, there are direct economic benefits that you can get from sports sponsorship, like we discussed where, um, you know, we literally have people that invested in Fruit Street just because they were so impressed that we were sponsoring New Amsterdam, right? Um, So sure, there's direct benefits, but I think it's an interesting question on like what the role of corporations play in general. Um, Like, you know, for example, you have, um, obviously there's a lot of controversy around, I'm gonna take this in a surprising direction, but you know, George Floyd's death, right? And now you have all these big companies. I think it was like, was a Boston Scientific For example, that made like a $1 million donation, for example, to some sort of, you know, charitable organization. I mean, it's like, what is the role of a corporation? Is it to just make as much profit as possible to shareholders? Or do they actually have a responsibility to, you know, do, do things that have a social impact that are not necessarily even related at all to, you know, the profitability, like donating to fight racism or building youth sports in their local community um, so, I mean, I don't know, Lee or Seth, do you have any comments there?
2: Yeah, you got a professional grassroots club that, you know, part, part of the core value and commitment is to giving back to the community, making the the community, you know, where, where we all live, work and play a better place to live, work and play. And, and that's not something that needs to happen just when you have an unfortunate incident or this needs to be ongoing. This needs to be something that's, you know, 24, seven, and so the cool thing is, you know, for, for companies that uh, agree with that and it fits their, their, you know, core values and their, their vision and mission, working with a, a grassroots community-based professional soccer club or even other professional sports that that's what they're doing day in, day out. man, that's, that's when I think we sleep better at night, right? Because not only are we doing something we love, growing a business that we're very passionate about, but we're helping the community and we're helping give back. And a lot of that is, is helping the youth, but but also doing our part to be good corporate citizens.
0: I'm so glad you answered that, Michael, because it was so much better than the answer that leader Seth would have given. <laughs> anyway, they're, they're just good at asking questions, but anyway, hey <laughs> know, I know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, but um, the other thing that we're looking forward to with fruit street is uh, and new Amsterdam is uh, beating all of the teams that have uh, sponsors that are unhealthy. So for example, Taco Bell, or New York Red Bulls, for example. So those should be very interesting matches. It's like the healthy versus the unhealthy food. Although I do really, I really unfortunately do like... Uh, I've gotten interested in Taco Bell over the last two months because there's nothing open. <laughs> so Taco Bell is actually quite good, but uh, maybe not the healthiest thing in the world. <laughs> it
1: might taste good, but it might not be good for you.
0: Yeah, that that is true. So, uh, well,
1: and I'm sure like kind of speaking off of that question, I mean, there's some companies that they see something with the social impact like this example with George Floyd is happening and they're like, you know, they want to get involved simply for the press and simply for the exposure. But then there's other companies that you can tell they actually have a social interest and social impact. Michael, have you seen that with some corporate sponsors of soccer clubs where there's kind of these two camps of like, we just want the exposure. We don't really care about soccer or the community. And then there's these ones that like, they're actually ingrained in like, we believe in what this is doing for the community. Is it hard? Is it challenging to figure out like who would be like a really authentic value connected sponsor versus just somebody that's like, Oh, whatever. We just want more numbers.
2: Yeah. I, I think you, you have the, the two schools, as you mentioned, you've got, you know, sponsors that, you know, it's really, they're looking at you as an advertising platform that can help them grow their business, maintain or increase market share, uh, et, cetera, et cetera. And then you've got companies that view it more as a partnership. And it, it's uh, how is this uh, mutually beneficial, not just for the company, you know, so I'm getting the value of, of advertising and the ability to entertain with tickets and do those things to grow my business, uh, reward my hardworking executives and employees. Uh, but but I see it as there's something more. And, and those are usually the ones that once again, community is a really big part of it, right? They want to be involved in an existing program that you have uh, with the, the youth in the community or just key initiatives and, and programs in, in the community, or they, they wanna bring those programs that they believe in and want you to add value to that through uh, access to the professional athletes, to the resources that a professional club has, to the game day experience, to the platform of digital broadcast, all the technology, which Lawrence mess, m- mentioned. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, to us, it's, it certainly is more fun to work with the partners because they're usually uh, more engaged, they bring more to the table, and they also view it for, for all the right reasons, which includes growing their business. You know, that's an important part of it. Uh, but, uh, but you also have some out there that they, they see it more as an advertising platform than, uh, than a true partnership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's really interesting. And I'm sure you've seen, you have many case studies of how partnerships work and don't work and stuff. Lawrence, uh, what can people ex- like, what's next for new Amsterdam football club? Obviously, you know, at the rec- time of this recording, it's early June. Um, there's still a lot of uncertainty in what coming months look like and what professional sports. And so kind of as we bring this conversation on the football club to a close, uh, what is, what's coming up? What's next for the football club?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll be launching our website in the next couple of weeks where you could uh, buy merchandise and, uh, you know, purchase season tickets and that kind of thing. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID and all that kind of stuff. But at some point, we will return. Um, Governor Cuomo uh, has allowed professional teams to start training again, so you'll see some training videos and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, we're just looking forward to the world returning to normal again and uh, launching a youth academy and playing again uh, and that kind of thing. But uh, the next step is everybody can uh, buy some scarves. Michael is a scarf guy, so I I like scarves too. But uh, we also have hats. We didn't send you a hat. Max actually got new Amsterdam hats, Michael, so I got to send you one. But uh, yeah, those are some of the things on the horizon.
1: Awesome. You got to get the soccer scarves. Everybody's got to have their soccer scarves. Yes, exactly. That's great. Well, Lawrence, Michael, Lee, thank you guys so much. Um, and Michael, we'll have to have you back on the show to, to continue talking about how this new football club continues to develop. Absolutely. Anytime. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Digital Health Entrepreneurship Daily. This was awesome because we got to finally learn more about what Lawrence has been up to with his soccer team in New York City. If you haven't already, take a look through our other episodes on YouTube or on our podcasting platform to learn more about entrepreneurship, digital health innovation, fundraising. All of those things are topics that we talk about regularly here on Digital Health Entrepreneurship. Make sure to leave a review if you haven't, and we'll see you next time on the show.